Forgotten History is presented by State Farm. Getting great car or home insurance from State Farm at a surprisingly great rate? Well, that's just like talking the biggest names in NFL history and hearing their untold stories. It's the real deal. So choose insurance that always brings its A-game. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know, here on the East Coast and really across the country, McDonald's isn't just a global restaurant. It's a local one as well. Just like how the guests on this show aren't just major Hall of Fame athletes, they're stars and celebrities, but people that work inside each of their communities. McDonald's are owned and operated by people who live in those communities. And when you eat at McDonald's, you're actually supporting American businesses, maybe even your neighbor's business. The McDonald's franchises also care about the communities that they live and work in. They give back by helping first responders and, of course, supporting local Ronald McDonald charity chapters. When you own a McDonald's, you are committed to serving the community where you do business. McDonald's serving here. And about that time, I hear, here comes Chirpy Manning coming down. You know, he's he like, a, like a little chihuahua <laughs> nipping at your heels, right? <laughs> Hey everybody, Trey Wingo here. Welcome into another edition of Half Forgotten History. You know how this goes. We pour ourselves a nice glass of Maker's Mark and talk great stories with some of the greatest athletes to ever play. Except we couldn't find a great athlete for this episode. So we settled on an offensive lineman. Actually a center. Our standards are so low. What are we doing? It's just my way of saying this next guest is one of my all-time favorite guys that I ever worked with. And he's really funny, and he has some great stories to tell us from being in the trenches all those years. One of the greatest beards in the history of the NFL, and I just mean the facial hair, none other than longtime center for the Indianapolis Colts, Jeff Saturday. Delighted to be talking to my guy, none other than fake Mark Schlereth. Jeff Saturday is with us today. What's up, brother? How we doing? Living the dream, brother. The fake stink, baby. You know it. <laughs> Cheers to you, my friend. Uh, it's been too long. So, you know, I wanted to have you on because I think that in many ways, you epitomize what a lot of people dream about because you were an undrafted kid out of North Carolina that somehow found his way onto a roster, ended up with uh, Peyton Manning's hands under your butt for a long time, and then Aaron Rodgers and played for a bunch of years and made it to some Super Bowls and really had an unbelievable career. Did you ever think when you were trying to walk on as an undrafted kid out of Carolina that this career would unfold the way it did? Absolutely not, man. You know, like, I tell people all the time, it is much better than I deserve. I mean, uh, it, it, you know, you, you put it together as well as it can be put together. I mean, I go from uh, honestly, you know, praying to God that I'd play for a year as a, you know, as a kickoff team slash, you know, eighth guy on the O line. Wedge Buster. <laughs> yeah, you know, just <laughs> just trying to hold on for dear life to, uh, like you said, man, playing in Super Bowls, Pro Bowls was with, uh, you know, it, what I what I consider the greatest quarterback of all time, being Manning, um, and then finishing it off with Aaron Rodgers, who you know, just continues to impress. So, man, it was uh, it, it was unbelievable, a heck of a ride, and, and one that I don't ever look back uh, and, and, and doubt I'm a blessed man. Take me through how you wormed your way onto the team, right? Because, first of all, people should find pictures of Saturday when he was a rookie. The beard was not there. I mean, the difference with you and the beard is almost the difference of Justin Herbert and his haircut, right? You look totally different with the, without the beard. So how nervous were you going into that first camp thinking, man, I just got to find a way to get on the team? Oh, my gosh. All right, so I, I'll tell you, so I get, 
I even get a tryout because my roommate in college, Nate Hobgood-Chittick, who has since passed, um, yeah. was with the New York Giants on the practice squad. And the Colts bring him up in 1998, and they uh, they put him on the active squad. So you have to be – if you go from practice squad, you got to be up three games, right? So he goes in, meets Bill Polian, and Bill tells him, hey, I have an open-door policy. If you ever, ever have anything, right? So I try to explain to people now, that's like the most cliche line a GM can give somebody, right? That <laughs> open-door policy. What does that mean? Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome. Come on in, right? And, and, you know, Nate was the 53rd and a half guy of 53 guys on the team. You know what I mean? He's barely holding on himself. And he decides one day to go in and tell Bill, my roommate in college was better than the centers on the Giants and that we're playing here in Indy. Will you give him a chance? And and he had no idea that Bill was with the Panthers and had had looked at me coming out of college. And uh, Bill's Bill's synopsis of me was I was as round as I was tall, a very roly poly looking man. And uh, but he told him, he's like, man, I'll give him a shot. And, And that's honest to God. They call me in for a workout. I'm working for electric supply company of, of North Carolina. And, and, you know, I'm scared to leave, to lose my job, to go try out for a team that I don't, you know, I think has very little, if any interest. And um, man, just, just an incredible, uh, an incredible turn of events. One, uh, I don't know if you can see Nate, but he's, he's number 94 up on my, uh, yeah. up on the wall. And, and uh, man, I, I owed a guy and, and uh, miss him like crazy, but just a God moment all the way around, brother. All right, so we need to go back to this electric North Carolina supply company. Now, uh, what exactly was the job that they empowered you to do before you decided to leave that and try for football? All right, so first, Katie Kennedy was the uh, the Katie Kennedy Jr. was the owner of the company. Who was a he has a huge Duke University uh, alum. <laughs> And, and so you were screwed from the get go as a, as a Chapel Hill guy. That's exactly right. So going to North Carolina, I was already in it, but he was great to me. He helped me. Uh, I was selling electrical equipment and he was just kind of teaching me the business. And and um, he had started over with two young guys and we were both kind of pushing this organization. And, you know, man, I'm cutting my teeth in any business. I've been playing football my whole life. And and uh, Katie w- was very gracious. And when I actually asked him, to go play, he he kept paying me um, for like the first two or three months, you know, when you're making just workout money for me and keeping me on in case it didn't work out, J- just a class act all the way around. That's hard for me to say about a dookie, but but was one that say, I yeah. in the highest regard for the way that he treated me. Okay, so when was the moment, whether it was a practice or a preseason game, when you realized, man, I can play with these guys. I I, I can do this. So, so we were playing, I was playing against, uh, Ellis Johnson, who was a first round draft pick out of the university of Florida and uh, a great pass rusher. And, um, Howard Mudd, my offensive line coach, uh, looks at me and goes, Saturday, go block Ellis. And, uh, I want you to go play guard. And, and so I was like, man, you know, this for, from a guy who's, you know, at first Howard thought I was a long snapper. He didn't think I played offensive line to go block (laughs) this guy. And so, I go up and, and I put my hand in the dirt. And, and before I did, Howard looked at me and said, jump him and grab him and don't let go. He's like, God gave you thumbs to grab stuff. You better do it. And, and uh, <laughs> I didn't know any better, right? And so the nickname for Ellis Johnson was the Matrix because he could make all these crazy positions and lean back and swat your hands. And uh, I jumped him two times in a row and got him and wired him up. And everybody, defense, offensive line, they were going crazy. My roommate, who was a hot good chick who got me in, was actually a defensive lineman. He was going crazy. 
And Ellis was like, come back, we're going to do it one more time. And I won that third time in a row. And uh, the confidence it gave me, and Howard looked at me, and Howard, you just got to know Mud to know, I called him the mad scientist, kind of looked back at me, you know, gave me this kind of grin and was like, you're going to be all right, kid, you know. And, and uh, from then on, at least I felt confident enough that I could, I could make it happen. You know, who knows what was going to happen, but I was, I was awfully fond of uh, the way Mud had treated me and given me an opportunity. Listen, Mud's one of the greatest to ever do it. So uh, just to get that sort of papal dispensation from him, had to be cool. Hey, Trey, yeah. let me say, let me yeah. say another quick one for Mud. So this is because yeah. Mud, we, we lost Mud this year. But my, yeah. one of my great Mud stories, I play my first year, okay? So I'm playing guard. And uh, I didn't start until late in the year. And I saw so I'm rotating with Waverly Jackson. And Mud, uh, at the end of the year, the season's over, we lose to the Tennessee Titans, who goes on to lose the Super Bowl to the Rams, right? That's in my first year. And I called Mud because my, my lease for my one-bedroom rented apartment was up. And I said, I said, hey, Howard, man, like, I really appreciate this year. I just need to know, you know, if I don't have any money, like, should I, should I continue my lease? Or should I, you know, just cut bait and you're, you know, you're kind of dummy. And he let out this belly laugh, man, and laughed at me and laughed at me. He said, you are a dumb son of a bitch. He's like, (laughs) (laughs) he goes, son, you're going to play the next 13 years. He's like, you're not going anywhere. He goes, I'm just going to work on you to get better. But he told that story to everybody because I, I literally had no, I was so scared of losing my job. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, that man just put his arm, he's like, Saturday, we're going, we're going, we're going to do this for a long time, man. And like you said, I, I, we lost him this year, but just an incredible human being. Uh, that, that's phenomenal. So, okay. You were playing guard that first year. When did they say, Hey, we want you to play center and you're going to be taking snaps from one of the greatest to ever do it. Yeah. So uh, after that first year, after that, that comedy, you know, that comedy scene with mud, about two months later, when we're doing our workouts, we came back in, and he said, hey, um, I'm going to let you and, and uh, Larry Moore compete at center. I, I think I think it's the best place for you. I watched your college tape now. Again, he, he always made the joke. He said, I thought you were a deep snapper, so I didn't even care about what you could play. He's like, but but your body type, I'm, I want to move you inside, right? And so he asked me what my, what my comfort level is. I said, man, that's, that's heaven for me. And, and then he looked at me and goes, and you never shut up, so you'll be good at it because all centers want to talk, right? And he's like, I've coached Mawai forever. Mawai won't shut up. Lewenberg wouldn't shut up, right? Uh, you know, Tim Ruddy wouldn't shut up. He's like, so you'll fit right in with all the know-it-all centers I've coached. So we'll go ahead and let you rip. And uh, so he's like, go, go take him with Manning. And, man, you just talk about a perfect fit uh, with, with P, you know, P and, and just the way he approached the game. And our personalities, man, it just meshed uh, really from the jump and, and just only got better year after year. Well, that's the thing. I, like, I want to know that. How quickly did you know that, oh, this Peyton thing? Because a lot of people would be like, you know, whatever you want. You know what I mean? Do you. But it feels like you guys had a sort of combative, shared relationship, like, from the first snap. How did that happen? When I took the job, you know, I, I felt like it was my job to, to make calls, set lines, do all those things. And, and uh, I, I would look at him and say, hey, man, like, I want to know what you think. And, and because obviously, you, you know, you steer the ship. But if it's my job to get everybody on the same page, I want to know 
so that I can make the call, feel confident about it. And I want to tell you what's going to be best for us, right? Because he had all the check with me's, right, from going to pass to run or run to pass. So he would ask me, hey, can you get that guy, right? Can you reach him by yourself or can the guard get up to the level? And he wanted to know. And the the one thing about Peyton Man, if if you've ever spent – he don't want any BS, bro. Like, like he ain't looking for you to lie, to blow smoke, to make him feel better. He wants to know the truth. And I think the best part of it is he just looked at me and goes, hey, man, don't ever lie to me. If you never lie to me, man, we'll always – you don't got to be something you're not. Just be you. And I I took it from there. And, and listen, the first – it may be my first or second starting practice at center. He threw a pass and the receiver dropped it. And I start screaming at the receiver. And I, and I want to say it was it was an old veteran. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a rookie. It was like an old vet. And I'm screaming about catching the ball. And it was like the parting of the Red Sea. Like all the linemen backed away from me. And Peyton slid out. And Mud comes screaming at me, mother effing me from the sideline. About, hey, you won't tell anybody how to do their job. And, you know, he's cussing me out. I'm like, hey, should he have caught it? You know what I mean? I, like, I block. He's got a catch, right? And so I'm kind of going ahead. <laughs> and, and when he walked away, man, he looked at me and goes, that's good stuff, bro. And, you know, from then <laughs> you know, it was – we were ready. You know, But I'm telling you, didn't nobody want to be in the foxhole yeah. with me, Wingo. Not one guy. They yeah. all left me until it was over. Then they were all like, good job. Good – you know what I mean? It was all afterwards. But hey, I, I, I said it. I would have been behind you 100%. I just want you to know, I would have been right behind you 100% in that foxhole. So that that leads us to one of the great NFL film things of all time because you guys didn't – you and Peyton and every you, – you didn't mind chirping. And there was the Monday night game that you guys played against the Rams, the game in which uh, Peyton and Marvin set the record for most touchdown passes thrown and caught by a tandem. You guys got into an unbelievable battle on the sidelines, and Peyton was mic'd up for the game. And it all was because you guys got down inside the 10-yard line, and all week long you had said you were going to do one thing, and Peyton checked into something completely different. That's right. So, so we're, we're inside the five, and we knew the Rams were going to play like some sort of cover four, right, which basically means they're going to put their feet – on the goal line and and just try to stop all the receivers from scoring, you, you got to run against the look, right? And we get down there, and three times we check the play. And so I think it's – I thought it was our offensive coordinator, Tom Moore, who checked. But it turns out it was me. So I come off the sideline, and I am ripping Tom Moore, man. I'm screaming at Tom. I'm like, we're, this is the dumbest stuff. You know, we talked about running the ball. You know, we, we're doing this. And so I get to the sideline, and we all sit in the same spots, right? Like center, right guard, right tackle, left guard, right? So we all sit down together, and Mud looks at me, and he goes, it wasn't more. It wasn't time. And I was like, what? And about that time, I hear, here comes Chirpy Manning coming down. You know, he's he like, a, like a little chihuahua <laughs> nipping at your heels, right? And he, he's yipping, right? Now, you know, he's like, he, he ate his Wheaties, right? So he feels good about all, you know, all the cereal boxes he's on. He'll know he's about to take one if he rolls up. You know, so he, and I, he and I are screaming at each other. I'm like, hey, man, should we run it? You know, should we run it? And so he and I are going out. I tell people I, I lost my witness for about 15 minutes because I'm going at him. He's going at me. We are ripping each other and and when it was over though it was over like we go down and you know to prove I'm right we ran it in the next few times we win the game and but we never went to the press I had no idea that it was even mic'd up until post game and and I think the one thing I would say about is is people don't realize like that happened in practice like he and I would go at it if if I didn't think what he was doing was right like I felt like I had earned the the the, the right to speak up and he appreciated that right like, I mean and if if yeah. he spoke to me that way 
And it was never personal. You know what I mean? When we walked off the field, bro, my locker was right beside his. And we would talk, have fun. You know, it was never a personal thing. But people were like, I can't believe that you spoke to him. I was like, hey, dude, he's not deity, right? Like, I mean, the dude, I, I see him put his pants on. So I know, you know, I, I know he's human. We just got to get this thing right. So we always had that relationship, man. It's one that I've, I've treasured forever and, and, and love going with him, bro. Ain't no doubt. What was it like hearing everybody say, yeah, I mean, the Colts are good, but they're never going to win at all because they just don't have it. Yeah, it's like a kick in the jump, right? Like, like you just yeah. get this feeling in your gut, man, that you, you, know, you can't explain the pain of, of what it really feels like. And I'll tell you the other part, man, is it always was a, it was always pushed towards Peyton. Right. Like, I mean, it, we talk about all the time, but quarterbacks get way too much credit when they win and way too much credit when they lose. And so it really used to kind of piss me off. But it was always it, it always had some kind of story about Manning can't win this game or, you know, whatever that whatever that thing was. And I just never appreciate like, I mean, there, there are, you know, 21 other starters. And that's not to mention all the guys on special teams. We none of us are getting it done. You know, what I mean, if, if, if any of us are getting it done, we're all going to go through this and win some games. And um, but it, it was and it's like there was always this this shining light that no matter how good the regular season went, it was all the Colts, you know, when they get there, it's going to be, you know, they're not going to be able to, to turn it over. They'll be finesse or or Peyton won't play well or the defense can't hold up. And so it was always a painful reminder when – and it was usually the Patriots who were knocking us mm -hmm. out, or like you said, the Steelers. And those te the thing was is those teams went on and won the Super Bowl. It wasn't like they sucked, man. It wasn't like we were – you know, yeah. we weren't losing to bad teams. We were losing to yeah. you know, dudes who made a lot of money and won a lot of games. But, you know, forget about that. It was always uh, – the story was always about Manning and, and, and not being able to win the big one. All right, so when we come back, we'll fill our glasses and uh, talk a little bit about finally getting over the hump and arguably the weirdest AFC championship game anyone has ever seen because we had fat guys scoring left and right in that. Stay with us. That's coming next. Now it's time for the Surprisingly Great Story sponsored by State Farm. State Farm gets you surprisingly great rates, so when you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, back with my man Jeff Saturday. Our glasses are full, so let's tell some surprisingly great stories about the Colts team that finally won it all. And before we get to the playoffs, we have to address the game against the Jaguars in like week 15 or 14, <laughs> 16, whatever. You guys got pumped, okay? They run – I think they ran for 370 yards on you guys. Yes. And that was, that was the last loss you guys suffered. You ended up being the th three seed. But I remember Tony Dungy, your head coach at the time, saying – we can fix this. And was like, yeah, okay, you're going to fix that. Yet somehow you guys did fix the run defense, and that really propelled you through the playoffs. So after that game, you know, every Monday you come in and you had like Tony's top five things that you checked off the board. And, and to your point, I think it was uh, Jones Drew and Fred Taylor. I think they both pulled yeah. their hamstrings because they had run. So <laughs> the only thing that stopped them was the goalpost, right? Like, like yeah. literally they were bumping the goalpost. That's the you guys didn't. Stuff. <laughs> uh, it was and, – and here's the worst – the crazy part is we're sitting in the team meeting, and I think Tony's about to rip the defense up and go, hey, you know, you're not doing your job. you got to play better. No. Tony's all calm and goes, man – our alignment was just off. You know, we were one half gap off here and one half. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, we are going to get freaking boat raced when we get in the play. Like, <laughs> this is – we are awful. You know what I mean? And, and it, we're talking about, like, a half a gap. They ran for dang near four. That's like a college or a high school, right? Like, that doesn't happen right. in the NFL. And so, we get to play the Chiefs the first week. 
and they have, you know, a vaunted run game, you know, good defense. And, and it was like, they were like, oh, this is the kryptonite for the Colts. And we came out, and I mean, our defense hit them in the freaking mouth, Trey. Like, yeah. I mean, dudes are late. You can hear the hits. I mean, we are popping guys. And, and I mean, I, I, can, I can literally remember thinking to myself, I was in awe of how well we played to completely shut down the entire run game. And for us offensively, we just had to do our part. Like, like just don't screw it up. You know what I mean? And, right. and I think after that game when we walked in the locker room, I think everybody to a man realized if we, you know, th that one half gap really meant something. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if we all just play our half gap differently or whatever yeah. it was that Dungey was, was giving us, we're going to be a heck of a football team. And, man, we got on a run. That, that first Chiefs game was just – it was a tone setter because of how well our defense truly played. Well, yeah, that was when Larry Johnson was at the peak of his powers. So you shut them down at your place at the RCA Dome. Then you go on the road in the rain to play the Ravens and Jamal Lewis, who, by the way, was also not a terrible runner, and you shut them down too. Yeah, you, you go, you go from, from good to great, right? You go, from a, you go from a good sheet to a great Ravens team that they hadn't given up a 100-yard rusher, you know, I, I forget how many games. And, yeah. uh, and like you said, you got Jamal, who, who, who is basically like the Derrick Henry of the day, right? Just a bruising, going to hit, you know, weighs as much as I do, <laughs> except right. he's fast and athletic, the opposite of me, right? <laughs> so he's, he's trucking people, on, you know, on the And, again, our defense and offensively, we ran it. Like, we were the first team to get over 100 yards. I, you know, we kicked five field goals, you know what I mean? So we didn't, we didn't put up any – but – it was a it was a dog fight, man, and just just an incredible game. And you know what's the crazy the craziest part? The two things that came out of that game. We have a picture of the O line that's up in my office. That's that's a lifer, and it's up in the stadium uh, even to this day at Lucas Oil. And the other thing was the Ravens introduction was like a WWE event, dude. I mean, like yeah. Trevor Price, and they're all coming out and the smoke and all. And to this day, I tell people, probably the most excited I've ever been pregame just because I'm watching this entertainment like none other, right? And they were unbelievable. They were a great defense. It just happened to be our night, man, and we ended up taking that victory, but just an incredible game all the way around. That sets up the AFC Championship game that year. And what's really interesting, you guys were the three seed, but you ended up hosting the AFC Championship game because in the division round of the playoffs, the Patriots went on the road and knocked out the Chargers, who were the number one seed. You took care of Baltimore, which was the two seed. So all of a sudden, not only are you playing in the AFC title game, but you get home field advantage for the first time. The other two times you played them up in Foxborough. That's right. And that game was crazy because right before the half, Peyton throws a pick six that puts you guys down 18 points, 21 to three. Yep. And I remember thinking to myself, all right, there's still time. If they can just kick a field goal before the half, they're in the game. And you guys get that. You get that field goal. Yep. And then in the second half, it just turns into the most ridiculous game I've ever seen. You scored a touchdown in that game on a fumble recovery. The Patriots had an offensive lineman, Logan Mankins, score on a fumble recovery. And Dan Klecko yeah. caught a two-point conversion in that game. Fat guy touchdowns everywhere. Oh, it was so much fun, dude. Oh, the, the guys who do all the work finally got to share in some glory, baby. Like, I mean, listen, I, I'm, I'm never going to be upset when a fat guy scores a TD. So, it was uh, – but to your point, just the craziest of game. And, and uh, when you talked about right before half, I had given a speech the night before – 
and, and, and basically stole Herb Brooks, you know, the, the, the miracle on ice when we beat, the, you beat Russia in, in, the, in the hockey, I mean, in hockey, and, and uh, I basically steal that speech, and it's, it's our time. And I remember walking over after they, they have the pick six, and Tony looking at all of us and going, it's still our time. Do you still believe it's our time? Like, looking at us as we're walking over. And I'm not going to lie. I gave the speech, and I was like, dang, man, I don't think it's our time. You know? <laughs> but, but he was like – Way to sell it, Jeff. Way to sell it. You know what I mean? I was like, God, you know, I'm going to be honest. You know what I mean? Like, Tony had that profit thing going at the time. I was, I was on the struggle bus. But he, he told he's like, man, go kick the field goal, and this whole thing shifts. And like you said, we kicked the field goal, and when we were in the locker room, he was talking about, men. they're right on the edge, right? Like, we've survived this storm. They can't play any better, and we can't play any worse, but they're beginning to fatigue. And he had seen it, right? We started running the ball well on them, kind of banging them around, doing those things. Big plays started to come down, uh, down the field. And, and it was just one of those games where once we grabbed the momentum – there was no doubt. Like, like everybody, for whatever reason, we all unified around that. It's our time. We're going to go win this game. And we all believed it. And, dude, it, it just manifested in front of us. And when I tell you, it is the greatest game I've ever been a part of. My greatest victory, including Super Bowl. That game, coming back against your nemesis in the RCA Dome. I mean, literally grown men were bawling after we won that game. I mean, it was it – was, just such and just such an atmosphere like I've never been around, and you just felt it. And when we all get together now, like that feeling doesn't change. It was just, uh, man, just like I said, the greatest the greatest game I've ever been a part of. Well, clearly, you know, all the Indianapolis fans realize, hey, we finally beat the monster, right? The the the, the bully on the block, we finally took him down. All that's great, but now you got to go win a Super Bowl because, like, you still say that's the greatest game you've ever been a part of. But if you lose a Super Bowl, no one cares. Okay, so you told me this story once, and I want you to share with me as much as you can because obviously Peyton knew his legacy was on the line, right? He he knew he needed to win a Super Bowl to be considered what he was, even without it, one of the all-time greats to ever do it. So you guys are having a team meeting, getting set to go down to Miami and do all this kind of stuff, and Peyton gets up there and starts talking to people, and you had to say, you need to check yourself here a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, so so Manning gets up, so Bill – Bill gets up and he kind of lays out. Hey, you know, he had been to a bunch of Super Bowls, so he kind of lays out what the week is going to look like. And then Manning gets up, and yeah, you know, I think at the time, like Manning didn't have kids, right? So right. Manning gets up and he's like, "This is a business trip." <laughs> he's like, "This all week, you know, we're we're going to go down, and no, I don't want any wives on the floor. I don't want any kids on the floor. I don't want I don't want some kids playing beside my room and beating on my beating on my wall. You know, the Thursday night before the Super Bowl, he's like laying out all these, and our wives are in the meeting, right? So, like, my wife has got my hand. She's got like the freaking grip tight. Tariq, Glenn, and Maya are sitting across, and Maya's eyes are like this, and and I could see Steve Champlin, who was like who was Bill Polian's like right hand man, and and Steve is going like this, like you know, don't. Don't, don't don't like don't don't raise hell like 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 let's not have a have a you know have a coup right here before so Manning kind of said his deal or whatever and I'm I was like hey man like like my kids are gonna be in and Chamberlain don't worry about it. we'll get everybody situated you know everybody relax but literally right before the whole thing's about to fold up I and mean, we got wives looking like <laughs> wait a minute you know like we we've contributed to this thing as well and but but to your point like Manning had so much pressure uh and and once he became a dad like this dude yeah. he can't get his kids with him enough you know what I mean I get right. him all the time but you know he's up there and he's laying the law down and all of our wives are like uh I'm gonna be in the room with you my kids <laughs> you know I 
like, like mom and them babies, we coming down too. So it was a thing of beauty, dude. Just the, just the things behind closed doors are just a thing of beauty looking back on them now. Yeah, you need to check yourself for a minute, 18, because everybody's going to be a part of this. Okay, so then you get, so then you get down there, right? And it's, it's terrible. Like, that, people forget that was the worst weather Super Bowl game of all time. It poured the entire game. And right off the bat, freaking Devin Hester takes it to the house. Okay, like literally the game starts the worst possible way for you guys. Was there any part of you that said, really? Really? We finally got here and we're doing this? Bro, so, so the week leading up, Peyton is making me do wet ball drills uh, which means, you know, we're in Indianapolis, right? So it's, yeah. you know, all the doors. So it's freaking icy, snowy. It's, it's crazy weather. We're dipping balls in five-gallon buckets to get them wet to snap. So we're getting used to wet balls because he's like, man, in case it rains, you know, down there it's forecasting some rain. So we need to be ready and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, man, what, what does that mean? For me, the whole practice, I'm freaking soaking wet and cold. and It's miserable. And, but we just did it, right? I was like, hey, man, this is what you want to do. We're going to go do it. So we did that leading up to the game. Get Like you said, it's pouring down rain. And Tony had said all week, we're going to challenge Devin. We're going to kick it to him. We believe we got the best special teams in the, in the game. We're going to go stop. And so Peyton and I are standing side by side. And the ball gets kicked. And I'm watching it. You know, and I'm watching. I'm watching it. I see him catch it. I see him beat the first guy. And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to the house. And takes it all the way. You know, you're seeing all the flashes right from the kick all the way to him crossing the, in the goal line. And man, and I looked at each other and we're like, well, here we go, right? By the way, we didn't kick it to them the rest of the game. Thank no. God. <laughs> Afterwards, let's not let their best player do this to us, you know? But, but, yeah. but that's the only hiccup that, that Dungey brought. He's like, we're going to kick him and challenge him. Not bad plan by us. So, but definitely discouraging. But we knew, you know what I mean? Like, we, we felt we had beat the best team, being the Patriots. And, and as long as we played well, we had a shot. But I, I literally look, look at Manning being like, are you freaking kidding me? They're like, this is how we got to start this thing. But at yeah, that time, it's work time. It, it certainly did. And, and I, I think people need to understand that game specifically, Super Bowl 41, what it meant for you guys and your reputation. Because not only were you did, you, did you beat the bully to get there, the Patriots, but, you know, the, the, the story was with the Colts, they're a climate control team. They'll win in, indoors. You get them outside, up in Foxborough in the snow. It can't happen. So you play a game in slop in Miami. You find a way to stop a pretty good running game. And, like, I love Peyton. We all know that. But they give the quarterback the award when they don't know who to give it to for the Super Bowl MVP. Dominique Rhodes, man, tore Chicago up. What did it mean for you to beat the Patriots, go outdoors in crappy weather, and run the ball to win a Super Bowl? Oh, bro. You know. You think about Erlacher, Briggs, you think about Tank, John, like like these dudes were stacked at defense, right? Like their their whole claim to fame and their calling card was defense, Lovey Smith, right? The way they play, they're going to be physical. They're going to hit you in the mouth. Um, and for us, like you named it, right? Finesse, you know, indoor team, big plays, you know, they're not going to be and, – and we rushed for over 190 yards. I'm telling you, man, we hit them boys in the mouth from the get-go. And, and we knew our plan was to go attack him. And Dommy Rhodes, man, 30, dude, that, that first of all, 
He is the greatest teammate you can have. Like, you're always going to laugh. You know, the, the, he, he loves the shine, right? He's from Texas, you know, so he loves, his, he loves his, his, his laces to be different colors, his sleeves to be – you know, he always wants to shine. And he showed up in the biggest moment, man. Undrafted guy, just like me, who had earned his way, and he freaking balled out. We got him a sprint draw. I mean, we, we probably got him 10 or 15 times. We, we just got at him and hit him, hit him right downhill. And Dami would set those plays up. And to your point, that kid could not have played better. I mean, he just totally tore them up. And I think from there, from, you know, from everything they had worked on, guaranteed us running it down the throat was not their plan. You know what I mean? They had no idea that was going to be, you know, our, our kind of game plan and our, our game and our attack. And we got after him, man. It was from an offensive lineman's perspective, it's, it's what you dream about, man. Like, like when I beat the when we beat the Patriots, we ran all over them. When we beat them, we we ran all over them. And you know, from the Bears, Patriots, two teams that everybody knew defensively were led that way, and just 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 incredible moments for us as an offensive line. So that's as good as it can be, right? Winning the Super Bowl that way for the team, the label that you guys had. Then three years later, you guys start the year thirteen and zero, and Bill Polian pulls the starters at half in that game against the Jets. Oh. And it, first of all, it, the irony is you ended up having to play the Jets in the AFC Championship game because of that. How angry were people that you guys didn't go for the the players that you guys didn't go for the undefeated season? Oh, I was pissed, bro. I'm still pissed. Like, like I mean, you know, I love Billy. He gave me a job, so you can't be that upset with. I'm, <laughs> I'm still pissed. Right? Is is uh, you know, very very few times in your life do you have the chance to do something that special, right? Where you can truly run the table. And we had the team to do it, right? We're up yeah. on the Jets, you know, at half. And if we keep everybody in, we're going, we're going, we're going to get them. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. We run through this whole thing. We had Buffalo, I think, the next week, and and um, you know, our team as a whole. That's probably the best team that we had. And we were, you know, we were just not going to be denied. And I felt so disappointed and kind of robbed of an opportunity. For, for greatness. Like, even when the Patriots lost in the Super Bowl to the Giants, that undefeated run, it's just something special. And to not go for it based on what ifs, you know what I mean? And I get it. That's why general managers get paid and players get paid. But, man, from, from a player perspective, um, it, it, it's a gut punch, man, because I, I, I truly to this day believe we could have run that whole table. Who knows, in the Super Bowl, again, we lost it. Um, and, 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 you know, we, we should have beaten them. That, to me, it was it – was, uh, probably the most, two most disappointing losses in my career. The, the Jets then, just because the undefeated, not because we got beat, because I was one of the only, you know, the offensive line got left in. All the good players. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, know, that you, just, you don't get that blow, yeah. We don't get that rest, right? Like, so so all of that kind of kind of culminated into the two, uh, two most painful losses I think I was a part of. So you get back and go to the Super Bowl, right? Um, and you guys are rolling against the yeah. Saints early. You, I mean, you guys are rolling. And then there's a third down play. Yep. And they throw the ball to the French waiter, Pierre Garçon. Oh. And he's so wide open, I think he scores on that play. Yes. And he drops the ball. And instead of going up 20 to 3, or I mean, by, by a bunch, somehow everything changes. You guys try to run out the clock at the end of the first half with a fullback. I'm like, what are you doing? And then arguably the greatest play of all time follows the onside kick to start the second half. How much of a gut punch was that? Oh, brutal, man. Brutal. I mean, like you said, Pierre, man, dude's got incredible hands. I mean, and and just 
just drops it. I mean, literally just drop. And, and you felt the momentum shift. I still felt like come out of halftime, you know, again, we're the better team, right? We're going to go make this happen. And, you know, we're going to make plays. And I, and I can remember um, being ready to go run back on because they're kicking off, obviously, for at half. And, and it just shows you, like, I had this argument with Brunel and Breeze, you know, talking about who the best team was. I was like, the best team does an onside kick, bro. Like, like you're onside <laughs> for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're going to be real about coaching and winning games. Like, I've, I've coached – but, you know, we don't, you, don't, you don't try those things unless you feel like you need to steal a drive. But, but Peyton making that decision to kick it and then with Hank Baskin and, and – I mean, if, if you knew how deflating watching the second half play out um, as, a, as a player who – I mean, I literally been watching us just, just get beat by a team who I know that we're better than, and that sounds salty now, but, you know, believe me, I don't, I don't, it didn't keep me up at night. I'm just being real about where we were, and it was so – watching Porter take the, the interception back for six and just thinking to myself, what a wasted opportunity. And, and as a player, you always feel like next year we'll be back, right? We got a great team. We got a great nucleus. But, um, I mean, the, the pain that you go through, it's just – I can't tell you how disheartening it is and how, you know, I, like my kids make fun of me because I called it my loser ring, right? The AFC championship ring that we, that we still won. And they're like, how could you call that thing a little? I'm like, because when you don't win the Super Bowl, bro, it, it, you know, it's – you know, there, there's, there's no points for second place, right? And so – it, uh, it, it, was, it was a painful one for us because, I, I, honestly, it's a missed opportunity. It wasn't. Had I felt like they were better than us, hey, man, you give it your best ride. They play better than you. But uh, we just made so many uncharacteristic mistakes, like you said, running it out with a fullback. Like, things we never did, yeah. we did, and it cost you. All right, so when it's all said and done, what's a stronger emotion, the high of winning it or the low of losing it? Oh, man. Probably the low of losing it yeah. because I think it lasts longer, right? The high is more exciting, and it, it, but you know you got to go do it. The, the loss just seems permanent. You know, the, the win feels temporary. It's, it's a great feeling, you know, but you're, you're so competitive. You're going to go, that, that, man, that loss just feels such a permanent, oh, just, just, a, just a brutal, brutal thing to deal with the way that we did it. And, and again, man, it's one, obviously. That, that I'm not, I'm not quite over. <laughs> I'm not picking up on that at all. Just so you know, I, I wasn't getting that vibe until you told me. That's so. right. <laughs> all right, so I, I guess we have to leave it with this one. Obviously, Peyton, you have the relationship with him. You were there for, for so long. But you also played with Aaron Rodgers. Whose hands were more supple on your butt cheeks, Peyton or Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> Got to be Peyton, man. Thir- 13 years of, of just the- – He knew he just hit the right spot. He just knew where to go, right? <laughs> that silk, man, just the silk all the way around. <laughs> that, knowing us, that seems like a perfect way to end it. Brother, you are the best, my friend. Cheers to you, and uh, don't be a stranger, all right, man? Appreciate you, brother. Great talking with you. Thanks to Maker's Mark. Remember to pour yourself into everything you do and reach for a bourbon that's made with that personal touch. In fact, why don't we do this? Let's raise a toast right now. And remember, Maker's Mark crafts their bourbon carefully. All they ask is that you enjoy it the same way.